I'm Trevor Cummings, and these are my Thoughts on Money. Hello, and welcome to the Thoughts on Money podcast. We like to call Tom. I'm Trevor Cummings, your host of the podcast and your author of the Thoughts on Money blog. We've taken a two-week break, and it was mainly because I wasn't inspired to write anything. And today I was inspired uh, because there's this common question I'm having a lot of clients ask, and I will tee it up to you, who's joining me today, Mr. Sean Latimer. Are you also getting this common question? Yes. Hello, everyone. Tell me about it. What are people asking you? It's interesting. The, The question is, it's not necessarily too specific. It's just more, hey, I see everything that's going on. It's making me feel uncertain. Should we be doing something? Yeah, I think I'm getting the exact same question. Maybe some people add a little bit to it where they're saying, is this a good time where we should kind of tilt to be more conservative? Yeah, I think that that's the premise is, you know, what changes should we make? And and it is interesting. That's the whole point of allocating is you design the portfolio for times like these. I mean, there's been countless charts out there that show the type of drawdowns there are in the market. And that's kind of the cost of doing business. If you want to be an investor and participate in the fun part, the compounding over time, well, then guess what? You have to be bold and experience the the not so fun parts too. Do you have trouble answering that question when people ask you? Yeah, all the time. Because sometimes it's it's uh, people that I've had that conversation with recently. And it's almost like they, they forgot. They put blinders on because they, they see red on the screen and they get nervous and they want to talk about it. You know, it bums me out when I get that question. And I, I try to be clear in the way that I answer it. But I feel bad if the markets go down after that, because yeah. I wasn't answering the question for what was going to happen in the short term. Like I never built a portfolio for February of 2022. And I felt that a little bit in the COVID moment, because if you go back to that beginning of 2020 in Q1, people started to raise concerns in January and in February. And then the, the what you called the drawdown from the, the peak moment of the market to its trough, its bottom, it went really violent and very quickly. Mm-hmm. So I had some people come back and say, man, I told you so. I told you this was going to happen. And it bums me out because I know the right answer for them is yes, but this is within what the scope of, of what's reasonable when you're an investor trying to compound and grow your money. And I am trying to grow my own communication skills to figure out a way on kind of how to say that. So I wrote this article uh, four years ago called Staring Down a Lion. And the same truth four years ago uh, applies today. And I personally like to use non-investment analogies to kind of prove a point. Yeah. And what I was saying here, this is a truth, is that if you come across a mountain lion or a lion, whatever, um, what is your intuition tell you? Get out of there. Run. Yeah. But then if you like slowed down a logical thing, you're like, I'm not going to outrun this (laughs) lion and I'm not getting away. So the real advice, and I quoted it in the article, you can look, it, it, it is to look that lion straight in the eyes and not move. You know how hard it is to give somebody that advice? Yeah. Right? Because you're not taking away, and I put in the article, is it okay to be fearful in the moment? Of course. You should be. Yeah. Like, if you're not fearful, I'm a little bit scared for you. <laughs> yeah. Like, you should be fearful, but in moments of fear, you have to have courage. Mm-hmm. So what I'm trying to tell investors is what's going on in the world, it's wild. 
it's sad. It, it tears your heart and it straps your emotions of like, man, what should I do? And in a world where our natural instinct is to react, we feel like we have to do something. And it's very hard for me as an advisor to go to my client and just say, stare that lion right in the face. That's what you got to do. Because sometimes when investors are tired of hearing that, they'll tell me when they get on the call, hey, I know you're going to tell me to stay the course. I know you're going to tell me the best thing to do is not do anything, but I don't want to do that right now. And I'm like, oh, you already gave my answer. Away. Yeah, you're like, oh, <laughs> so this is what do a I do? Tough one. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Um, when I was reading that, uh, this is a different example, but I was in my backyard once and there was a coyote right on my hill and uh, he, he just killed a possum on my hill. Kind of a random story, but there, when I came outside, he just stopped and like stared at me and I was staring at him and I was trying to like make noise and make him run away. And that was with the coyote. And even then, I was kind of like, I hope he wouldn't attack me, right? But it made me wonder, how would you stare a lion down and just hope that's going to work out? But I guess that's what courage is, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't know how I would do it. And in the moment, I couldn't imagine someone giving me that advice. Sorry, I, I took your analogy. <laughs> no, <laughs> too, no. Too I'm just, literal. I, but. No, it totally is. Uh there's something to be said there with uh, animal behavior and reactions and, and kind of how your own courage could scare that line away. Again, I, I don't know all the nuance behind it, but what I do know, um, if a, a client has a, an appropriately designed portfolio, we can't turn and change things in the moment. And I didn't put this in the article, but I should have. There's kind of two different types of portfolio design there's what we call strategic, which means like long-term, this is how your portfolio should be designed. And then there's something called tactical, meaning like in the moment, you could do these tactical changes. But I will say in my experience, what are most of those tactical changes? They're mostly opportunistic. To take advantage of it. Yeah. Yeah. Most of the time, the markets get punched directly in the nose and things are so oversold that you may make a tactical change opportunistically to add risk. Yeah. I don't have a lot of examples where you said, okay, Mr. And Mrs. Smith, we'll go to cash. Yeah. Where we've made a tactical change to be conservative. Now I suppose if I got in the time machine, I went back in time to things where, where markets felt just absolutely overvalued. That could be an argument, but I know there's some great investors that I look up to that publish articles in the wall street journal in 1997, saying about how markets were overvalued. And the next two years were just incredible years until that bubble popped. So it is very difficult to time those tactical moves to kind of the conservative side. And I might be even distracting a little bit because from my philosophy, I don't even really think about that when it comes to portfolio design. When you read this article, did you feel similar to me, kind of how you take a client through portfolio design? Yeah. And, and one thing that you've said often that I agree with is um, we design the portfolio for times like this, right? If, uh, if I wasn't clear or the portfolio wasn't designed correctly, that's okay. We can make adjustments, but we're not going to do it right now. It's almost like a what you call it? There's like a holding pattern during when there's chaos or something like that. We can make the adjustments and make the strategic allocation correct, but now is not the time to do it. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I don't have an analogy for that, but I like what you said, like a, a holding pattern or something, is that kind of in this moment, we can't make a change right now. And, and I had a fun conversation the other day with a client about this very thing that, hey, 
if this is the wrong design, let's kind of go back to the drawing table, start back from square one and go through the process again. I'm just going to tell you we can't make it right now. And the very next day after that conversation, I saw markets go up 3%. And I kind of reinitiated that conversation. And I was just saying, this is kind of why. Not because markets went up. It Markets could have gone down too. It's just that when there's such a high level of uncertainty, the markets are trying to recalibrate every day. And you don't really want to make big adjustments of buying and selling when prices don't feel like they are uh, accurate. So, I mean, going through that process, what I see it, and I think clients of mine would be very familiar, is that uh, I'm going to express this as being simple. And it's it's simple in the steps, um, but I think it's appropriate or complex in the actual design. And what I mean by that is when a, a client first comes to me, I mean, Trevor Cummings, that I'm going to be serving them, helping them, I want to get a really strong understanding of what their expenses are. Why do I want to get an understanding of expenses? Because I believe wholeheartedly that most of somebody's savings are to be used for future expenses. So if I get an idea of what their expenses are, and I have a belief system saying that their their expenses have kind of a, a, a trajectory that has its own rhythm and cadence to kind of be similar, I can start to understand, okay, Mr. or Mrs. Client, if your expenses are $200,000 a year, I want you to have reserves. And maybe for a client earning wages and still working, that those reserves can be lighter. Maybe there'll be one year of expenses. I'm always speaking in multiples of expenses. And maybe somebody retired that wants just a, a, a more comforting uh, allocation, they, they might say, hey, I want five years of expenses. I'm telling them, and I'm using this type of language, this is your bomb shelter. This is mm-hmm. your fire exit. This is your safety net. This is your ATM machine. Right, So that if things got abnormal, it's almost like they're buying themselves time. Right, if it's, if it's four years of reserves, you could basically spend down that reserve tank and then look back at your other bucket, which I call kind of that growth or compounding bucket, and see if things have normalized. Historically, things have tended to normalize over you know, three or four or five year periods. That's kind of the, the longer, longer end of it. And I think that that's true for us if we think back today. If we go grab a, a newspaper from three or four years ago, some of the headline items, we'd probably be like, oh, I remember that, like a Greece bankruptcy or, or this or whatever. And you're like, oh, wow, I remember in the moment that was captivating. And it was the only thing on my mind. And, and now it's less relevant. Now, I will say there are things historically that we think like, man, that was a moment. Mm-hmm. That was huge. Even in that moment, we didn't realize the ripple effect it would have on history. But that is not the norm. That's probably the exception. Have you had times too where you designed the portfolio and and everything's buttoned up and it it seems like you're on the same page and you've even reviewed downside tolerance and and then something like the beginning of this year happens. But let's say earlier before you know there's really any large drawdowns and they go, oh yeah, I don't know, I'm really nervous, but I'm hanging in there. And you kind of like scratch your head with like the markets only moved maybe three or four percent, and you said you were comfortable with thirty <laughs> percent. Like this is nothing. Yeah, I've experienced that a lot, and I've kind of come to a conclusion that that's like human it's behavior. Gonna happen. Yeah, yeah. Because going back to you know funny analogies, right? Because I, I just imagine the person. I got to make humor out of this, right? Because yeah. I, I um, <laughs> but I just imagine the person be like, wait, you meant an actual lion? Like, <laughs> like I was going to stare down an actual lion? Like so, when they see it kind of creeping behind the bushes and they're coming out, they're like looking at you as their safari guide, and they're like, oh, wait a dick, 
you want me to stand here? You <laughs> yeah. want me to look that beast in the eyes? And sometimes they don't always, folks don't always, investors don't always relate it back to their portfolio, right? Because, and I don't know the right way to say this, like the news, uh, you know, to some extent, it is doom and gloom. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's it's hard to kind of have that be your, your regular uh, diet and then not... Um, kind of superimpose that onto your portfolio, even if you're not experiencing that. Yeah. And you and I talk about this a lot. For our clients, we have a, a higher than normal allocation to energy companies. And energy companies have fared very well thus far in 2022, and they look very different than the rest of the market. So e- even our clients, um, when they have that, that, that news feed coming to them, um, their portfolios aren't experiencing what maybe most folks are. So it's even more different from them. So that's why I always try to lead the conversation back to the numbers, right? Because I don't know, there's kind of those two parts of our brain, right? One part is kind of holding our emotions and, and kind of how we, we express our feelings. And the other side, I don't know, I guess is a little bit more logical and, and kind of kind of use numbers. So sometimes it's helpful to take somebody through the process, like, Tell me how you feel. Well, I feel that this news is overwhelming. Now, tell me a little bit more about how that's impacting your portfolio. Well, my guess is it's probably pretty negative. Okay, what does negativity look like? Well, I'm guessing I'm down a bunch. Losing a bunch of money. Yeah, Yeah, so what's a bunch? Let's look at the actual numbers, right? Um, What's difficult for me, though, is you you talked about making sure you're on the same page. I've always shared with you that I have kind of a no surprises rule. We'll get my emotions going if if a client um, is surprised by something because I feel like, man, my... Like you dropped the ball or something? Yeah, my number one job is to be a communicator. And uh, if something was a surprise, I wasn't a good communicator. So it is difficult to kind of describe that staring down a line moment, um, which is very different than actually experiencing it. Yeah, that's true. So what we went through was like this portfolio design. We, we get this idea of what reserves should be like. Um, we set aside that that agreed upon number. I put in the article that's a collaborative process, right? Looking at what that reserve figure should be, maybe oversimplified, but then kind of the surplus or the the everything else drops into what we're categorizing as this other bucket, uh, money that will compound or grow, and that is where most of the wealth accumulation will come from, right? The the reserve bucket is really going to deliver what stability. Mm-hmm. Liquidity, meaning you can access it. Maybe, gonna... maybe better interest than a savings account, but not a lot. Yeah, it, it, nothing significant. So you're really not going to get kind of growth from from those allocations. Now, this other one, you will, right? It'll be very attractive if you were had the ability to close your eyes and open them 10 years later. Mm-hmm. But in the moment, it's not going to deliver stability because it's intended to deliver growth. So that is the hard part. It's this balancing act knowing, okay, what are what are the truths? We can't time markets, yet we want returns. And if we invest in things that generate the type of returns that we want, we're going to have to endure volatility. That's the playbook. It's the playbook. That's the textbook. But kind of living that out yeah, I don't know. Easy, I, I, easy to sign up for, hard to actually do. Yeah, and I mentioned in, in the article that sometimes we use that word endurance a lot. And, uh, you know, I read my Bible. I'm a Christian. And uh, sometimes the synonymous term with endurance is this word long-suffering. And, and that's not a word we use in everyday language, but I think it might be a better word for our investors 
because I, I look at the two parts, right? Long, it's going to be quite a bit of time. Mm-hmm. You got to wait. You got to be patient. Suffering, it is going to be painful. Yeah. I, I don't think any investor or any advisor should be going to their clients without empathy and should say like, hey, suck it up, Mr. or Mrs. Client. This is par for the course. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you signed up for this. No, it is painful. It is suffering. So what we have to do sometimes is we have to empathize, we have to listen, and then we have to zoom out and say, hey, my job as a fiduciary is to give guidance and to kind of advise you what's in your best interest. My belief is what is in your best interest is for us to execute on the plan that we created. Let's go back to how we designed this plan and what our intentions were and make sure that we were kind of on the same page along the way. And if something needs to be changed, we're going to be patient to make those changes until we feel like things have somewhat normalized. For the record, I like the word endurance much more than long suffering. <laughs> I, I do too, but because it leads us to, to think about something like a marathon where we're like, okay, it, you know, it'll be over at some point, but we, we just got to run this thing. But, uh, you know, that word long suffering, I think carries more empathy with it because it, it describes it more. It describes what it feels like. Yeah. And that's the thing I think I've maybe matured as an advisor over time because I think earlier in my career in the profession, I probably did want to tell people like, suck it up. Like, this is what you signed up for. And uh, it's not appropriate. I, I don't know how to say this perfectly, but I, I've said it before is like pain or feelings or hurt. It's in the eye of the beholder. Yeah. Right. Who are you to be able to tell somebody like, you, you should, shouldn't feel you shouldn't this way. Feel, yeah. Yeah. It's your job is to kind of, Go shoulder to shoulder. Walk alongside somebody because what your job to do as an advisor is to help somebody get to the finish line that they had described. And part of that is being a good counselor. Sean's just nodding his head. Nothing to say. Amen. (laughs) What did you think about the chart? I thought it kind of like what I was talking about earlier, that that growth bucket, that compounding bucket that you don't interrupt um, don't be surprised when it doesn't behave. Kind of like you said, it's it's built to not be stable. The other bucket's stable. This one is going to go up and down. And I, I think it does a good job kind of illustrating that you're going to have volatility, but if you stay the course, kind of close your eyes for 10 years and look up, I think you're going to be happy with the results. Yeah, and that's a way I often phrase it. Uh, obviously, you're on a podcast, so you can't see the chart. But all, all it is, it's, it's probably the most basic chart we can put in here. It's, it's the returns of the market as measured by the S&P 500. And it looks at different uh, time periods. It looks at one-year time periods, five-year, 10-year, 15, 20, and 25-year periods. And then it highlights in red negative outcomes, so uh, returns that were less than zero. What you'll see on the chart is it's pretty common for a one-year, you know, it's somewhat common for a five-year period to experience a, a negative outcome. But when you look at 15, 20, or 25 years, for the, the time sample that we used here, there was no negative returns. So it kind of takes me back to that same place is that if Finance 101 tells us that uh, risk and reward have a relationship, then we understand, we use the word volatility for risk and finance, that if we are willing to accept volatility, that there is a reward to be had, but that reward comes for somebody who's willing to exercise long suffering. It also goes back to like the idea of designing for uh, what portion have in reserves and by using, you know, whether it's financial crisis, like a four year recovery or something like this, if there, if it does take five years for it to end up positive, right, 
that that is kind of maybe a good rule of thumb to say our belief is that through tough market circumstances, five years of having savings, that way you don't have to interrupt the compounding is what's best. Yeah, and I put it in there, and I'll, I'll butcher the quote, but it's a Charlie Munger quote. I probably overquote on a lot of calls with clients that basically says, rule number one, never interrupt compounding unnecessarily. It's true. I mean, the, the, the reserve bucket is supposed to give you uh, enough of a leash or whatever you want to say to basically not interrupt the other bucket from doing what it was signed up to do. So I don't know if we have much more to be said here. I think reality is, uh, kind of put at the end of the article, is that an appropriate question to ask? Like, um, you know, things feel unsettling. Should we do something? I think so. I think you should definitely ask that question. Is it okay to say, hey, should we take another look at the portfolio design? Yeah, 100%. Every time you talk to your advisor, you guys should review that portfolio design and and make sure it's agreed upon and understood and, and appropriate. Here's the hard part. Your intuition is going to say you have to take action. Sometimes taking action is just standing your ground. And I will, because um, this is the second time writing it, in my own mind, I will uh, hopefully forever just kind of close my eyes and think, what does it look like to stare down a line? It takes a lot of courage. The next time you get a call with a question, you're just going to whisper, stare down that line. Stare down that <laughs> line. Like, what did you say? <laughs> yeah, the psychology, like subliminal messaging, put it on my phone, stare down the line. Yeah, exactly. Stare down the line. <laughs> Uh, no, but I, you know what? I know it's unpleasant. I, I know it's difficult. I know it deserves empathy. And uh, that's what we're here at, as advisors. And the great thing is that we have uh, a common goal with uh, our clients is we want to see um, the best outcome for them. And uh, we are uh, sometimes a little bit of a, a, a less emotional source that they can kind of lean on to make sure that they make the appropriate decisions because those decisions compound. And those decisions make big impacts uh, in the long run. And uh, if you've been in this business long enough, it is enjoyable, as Mr. David Bonson did today in his morning email, to look back uh, at what a 15 or 20-year relationship with a client looks like and seeing, okay, uh, this is what we did to make sure that the kids' college funds were sufficient. Uh, here's what we did with the parents in, in terms of long-term care. Here's how we retired, or here's how we uh, transitioned from one job to another. Here's how we planned out retirement. Um, and seeing it in hindsight and connecting those dots is like, wow, like that's a pretty amazing safari guide right there yeah. um, that helped get uh, the the clients through a lot of different financial decisions and uh, probably where we derive the most purpose and joy in kind of what we do. Yeah. One thing you said too, is um, it's kind of like the beginning of 2020. Um, having someone invested right before the market has a huge correction. It could still be the right advice, you know, just maybe not the right outcome in a short sample size. And so um, I think having a lot of confidence that, and you kind of said it well just now, we want the clients to be successful. So we believe we're giving the right advice, even if the outcome doesn't look like it in the near term. Um, that's kind of why we would still stick to our guns and say, hey, this is what we believe is right. Yeah, when you said that, a specific memory comes to mind for me. Um, Somebody who joined us as a client, uh, and you know who this person is, um, in that kind of February 2020 moment. Mm -hmm. And I remember because we were working from home for the Bonson Group two months, I think we were working from home for March and April of 2020. Mm -hmm. So I remember walking around my neighborhood with my AirPod in because my kids were sleeping. Um, and talking to this client, and I remember 
um, rightful frustration they had. They were like, wow, we designed this thing and um, we kind of got punched in the stomach in like the first three weeks. And everything they were saying was extremely accurate. And it kind of goes back to um, that idea of uh, kind of the distribution of outcomes Mm. that it was a really low probability that in the first three weeks you would have, uh, you know, a second standard deviation event, but it was still plausible, right? It's not impossible for that to happen. You could say it's unlucky or whatever you want to say. But again, the advice was centered around long suffering and now whatever it is two years later. And absolutely they're, they're happy about not making a wholesale change to the design because things worked out favorably and that's the hard part. Uh, yeah. That's the hard part about investing. And if it was easy, uh, then we wouldn't be on a podcast. We wouldn't be needed. True. So seems like a good place to stop. Uh, we'll ask uh, the listeners to rate the podcast. Five stars are preferred. All comments are welcome. You can email uh, me or Sean. You can address it to Trevor or Sean at tom at thebonsagroup.com. Easy to remember, T-O-M at thebonsagroup.com. And uh, as long as I get inspired, then we will be back next week with more of our Thoughts, Thoughts on, on Money. money. The Bonson Group is registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there is no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance and is not a guarantee. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analysis, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. The team and Hightower shall not in any way be liable for claims and make no expressed or implied representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data and other information, or for statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information referenced herein. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced. Such data and information are subject to change without notice. This podcast was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of the team and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates. Hightower Advisors do not provide tax or legal advice. This material was not intended or written to be used or presented to any entity as tax advice or tax information. Tax laws vary based on the client's individual circumstances and can change at any time without notice. Clients are urged to consult their tax or legal advisor before establishing a retirement plan.